Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Actually, this is what I was going to say, is your volume got progressively louder. It's like you needed a couple of verses to warm up. And so, uh, anyways, I appreciate uh, Jordan and Matt and all that they do for our class. And so, uh, anyways, um, was your was the video on during that song? Oh, no. That means that I'm going to be recorded on there because I turned my mic on. We'll make sure to trim that out because you're not going to want to hear that. So, um, anyways, good to see everybody today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter number 42. And here's what I'm going to try to do. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to do a good job at it, but here's my goal. So, we um, did a series right before this called Is It Well With Your Soul? And I used the passage that we're going to be back in today. And I'm going to try to tie in where we were where we're at and where we're going if we have enough time so we're out by 11 45 and that's the that's the goal um, but anyways where we were was kind of in our is it well with your soul series where we're at is in our truce for tough time series and then where we're going i think is going to be applicable to you um, which we'll try to bring in on vision sunday um, in here january 10th i'm excited about it um, one of the goal one of the things that um, i think has helped our ministry was that um, having some goals and having some vision for the new year. And so that's not just something that applies to the church congregation. It's also something that applies to here. And I've, um, I've got some stuff that I think I'm, I'm really excited about. I don't know whether you will be or not, but uh, I'm really excited about it. And so I think it will be a help to our class, give us some more opportunities for growth, and um, be something that you guys can hopefully engage in as well. And so Psalm chapter number 42, this is going to be the last lesson of our Truce for Tough Time series. Um, the goal behind this whole series has been this, is that in difficult times and difficult moments, it's easy to believe a lie. Um, it's easy to convince yourself of something that you really know is not true. Um, when you're it may be experiencing sickness in your family or maybe it's uh, financial struggles or job insecurity or maybe just the day-to-day -day struggles of life it's easy to, to kind of lie to yourself it's easy to maybe believe something like well because this is happening in my life God is not good or because this is happening God doesn't care or this wasn't a part of my plan so therefore it's not a part of God's plan so what is God up to what is happening and so it's easy to kind of convince yourself of really some things that you, if you dig down, you know are not true. You probably have even known the opposite of that for all of your life. You've known the truth, yet in a difficult or tough time, it's easy to flip on a, on a dime and change your mind about something that you've known really all your life. And so the goal of this series, once again, has been to come back and to give us simple truths that we can run to when things get difficult, whether that be day-to-day -day struggles, whether that be one big struggle or a thousand little struggles. When we face those moments in our life, let's run to truth and not to the lies that we tell ourselves. And so this will be the last one. And today we're going to be talking about that God gives you hope. 
God gives you hope. So Psalm chapter number 42, we'll be back in it one more time before the end of the year. And uh, we'll, then we'll pray and we'll ask God to help us. Verse number one. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Let me just say this. That if you are going through something difficult, don't lose your desire and hunger to pursue God. Sometimes I think that when we feel like that God or even just life in general has dealt us a bad card, when we feel like that we don't know what's happening, one of the first things that tends to happen is that we stop pursuing God. And David says in the very beginning of this that my soul is hungering, it's thirsting after God, it's panting after God. So don't let your desire for God leave you in a difficult time. But then he continues. He says, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Verse number five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Can you read with me out loud the really the last phrase after the first question mark that begins with the word hope in verse number five? Let's read that all the way to the end of the verse. He says this, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hope thou in God. We kind of made a point to go over this in our series on the soul, but now I want to pull it together, really look at where we were where we're at right now in this series, and then give you a little glimpse into where we're going um, at the end of this lesson. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that when you sent your son to this earth as a baby in a manger, which we are celebrating right now, which we just sung about, Lord, that you gave us hope. Lord, in that day, even while many did not know what was occurring right in their own town, you brought hope through a baby. And God, in today's world, it seems like we search for hope everywhere else but with you. And so, God, I ask that you would help us as young adults to find the hope that is within us through you. Lord, may we never be scared or worried about what this world has to offer because our hope is not in this world. Lord, may we find our hope in you. And may we be a people and a group of young adults that is not searching for hope, but rather we know exactly where it is. God, I ask you to give me wisdom as I speak today. Lord, you know that this has been a thought that has been on my heart and on my mind and has even helped in my life. And so God, I pray that you help me to portray it accurately and biblically. In your name we pray. Amen. I think that we would all agree that the world that we live in is pretty much hopeless. Um, it seems like that hopelessness kind of is, is the theme of society. Um, you really just basically, if, if you pin someone down or maybe you talk to people at work, they live a pretty mundane day-to-day -day life. And so they try to find things outside of that to spice it up. They try to find things to give breathe a little bit of life or give them joy or give them happiness. But deep down, society as a whole, hopefully not referring to people in this room, is pretty hopeless. 
Um, you work hard, you try to make your living, you try to maybe do good to others, but ultimately it's pretty empty without Jesus Christ. And when we talk about hopelessness, I think that one of the things that we would say is that it's not that hopelessness is a result of no hope, but hopelessness in our society is a result of misplaced hope. It's not that when you wake up and that people say, well, I just have no hope. I have nothing to put my life into. It's not that people have no hope. It is that they have misplaced hope. And I wrote down this equation in my notes that misplaced hope equals hopelessness. Misplaced hope equals hopelessness. Meaning this, that it is not a matter of whether or not people have hope in this life. It is a matter of where they have placed that hope. Let me prove it to you. One of the reasons why I believe that we see such really rampant substance abuse is because we have placed our hope in this life. And so when this life doesn't fulfill all of our hopes and dreams, we numb ourselves. Suicide rates. Obviously, 2020 has been an odd year for probably that statistic, but suicide rates right now are, are through the roof. Why is that? It's because we've placed our hope in the fulfillment of what this life can bring us. And so when it doesn't go our way, what do we do? We want to remove ourselves from that. And by the way, not knowing who's in the room, not knowing who's struggling with that, with what, if you are struggling with those kinds of thoughts, can I just encourage you to talk to someone? Talk to me, talk to my wife if you're a lady, talk to someone here at our church who can help you because there is a life that is worth living. But the reason that suicide rates are, are so high is because life doesn't work out the way we think it should, so we pull ourselves out of this life. The reason why I think we're so consumed with politics as a people is because we've placed our hope in what a man or a political system or a structure can do to maintain our way of life. The reason why sometimes even religion, people pour themselves into religion. And when I talk about religion, I'm not talking about gospel-based religion. I'm talking about routine, mundane, religious acts, just the, the constant religious cycle. The reason why we do that is because we want this spiritual element in our life. But ultimately, that religious act and counting on yourself to make yourself right with God is a sign of hopelessness. You can go down through a multitude of other things. You can go through stress. You can go through anxiety. You can go through our desire for money, our workah workaholism. Okay, You can go through all these things. And what they point to is us trying to find our hope in something other than God. And David writes in this psalm that we've alluded to for several weeks now throughout our first series. He says this, my tears have been what sustained me. Can you imagine getting to a point in life to where your anxiety or your emotions or your tears or your sadness is what's keeping you going? Most of the time we, we live our lives and we wake up and we, maybe if we've got a vision or we've got a goal or we've got something that we, we've hit the ground running because we want to get that done. But can you imagine getting to such a low spot to where you, when you wake up in the morning, your sadness is what keeps you going? That your despair is what keeps you going? And that's the spot that David found himself in. And here's what I love about a lot of David's writings. He's very open and honest about where he's at. But then he's also very real with what he knows to be true about God. He says, my soul has not started, stopped hungering for God. In fact, I want more of God. 
But my emotions, my despair, my sadness, that's what's keeping me going. But then he says this in verse number five. He says, why art thou cast down all my soul? He says, why are you so discouraged? Why are you so distraught? He says, why art thou disquieted in me? Why do I feel the way that I feel? And then he gives his own solution to his own problem. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And here's what we have to really conclude when we look at the hopelessness or the misplaced hope of society, when we look at even maybe the despair that we're facing in our life, is that when we lack hope, it is because we have searched for it in something other than God. When we lack hope as individuals and as human beings, it is because we have searched for it in something other than God. Can I just be very honest with you? 2020 was a great year to be hopeless, right? Like it seems like every time you woke up, something was changing, something was bad, something was discouraging, something could have brought sadness upon you, something didn't go the way that you thought it would. This was a great year to be hopeless. But I think that if you look back over this year and you looked at your most hopeless moments, it would be because you had misplaced hope. But if you looked at your most hopeful moments, it would be because you had found hope in God. And I'm just as human as you are. And sometimes when I see something come across social media, or I see something on my phone, or I see something that maybe someone said, I get this feeling of, oh, are you serious? That's yeah, so disappointing. That's so discouraging. And so because of that, it often led to hopelessness. But I also have the Holy Spirit living within me. And as I look back over the course of 2020, my most hopeful moments were not when I thought the political world was going to be okay. <laughs> Which I don't think it's going to be. So, <laughs> My most hopeful moments was not when I had the most amount of money in the bank account. My most hopeful moments were not when I had everything figured out. My most hopeful moments of 2020 were when I was focused on God and determined that he would be my hope, not anything here. So when we say God gives hope, here's what we're saying. Is that God gives a hope that is permanent. Oh yeah, you can have hope when everything's going your way. You can have hope when things are right. You can have hope when things are good with your relationships. But what happens when it's not right? What happens when it doesn't feel the way that it should feel? That is where your hope in God becomes so important. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three reasons why God gives hope. Out of this passage, we'll refer to one other one. And if you'll hang with me till the conclusion, I'll give you a little glimpse into kind of where we're going in 2021 as we conclude this series of Truths for Tough Times. So God gives you hope. How does he do that? First of all, God gives hope because of who he is. And you say, okay, that's pretty obvious. I want you to just bear with me for just a second. <clears throat> Think that sometimes what we have this image of God in our head that he has to resolve every issue. That he's our lucky rabbit's foot that we run to when things don't go right. And so we can hope in God because he's going to fix the problem. But what happens when that doesn't occur? What happens when cancer sticks around? What happens when there's relational struggles? What happens when you wake up one morning and you lose your job? 
and God doesn't answer your prayer for you to get it back. God's not just a lucky rabbit's foot because of the blessings that he bestows on us. He is still good because it is who he is. And I want to refer back to a series or a lesson a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the goodness of God as being a truth for a tough time. And here's why. It's because God didn't wake up this morning. Number one, he never went to sleep. But God didn't wake up this morning and have a bad day. God didn't have a bad 2020. God didn't, God didn't change who he was. We use the illustration, and I want to refer back to it because I think it's very applicable. Some of you that teach kids' classes or, or maybe you've helped in the nursery or whatever, sometimes a child will perform outside of their character, won't they? Meaning that if you have a child in that class that is misbehaved or that sometimes acts poorly, and all of a sudden the Sunday that you teach the class, they have a good day. When mom and dad comes to pick them up, what do you say? They were really good today. Like, it's surprising. Like, holy moly, like, what did you do? Like, it, like I was going to make a joke there, but I won't make it because it probably doesn't need to be said, especially if it's going to go on YouTube, okay? But you say, man, they were really good. Like, what? Well, that was outside of their character for them to be good. Or if you have a good day or a good kid and they have a bad day, like, hey, they, they really struck. It was outside of their character for them to do that. Did you know that God never has a day outside of his character? God never has a day where it's like, oh, bad, bad day today. Look at, the day, look at the things in your life that make a bad day. You sleep past your alarm clock. Your hair is messed up for girls. Guys probably don't care, okay? But you can't. You spill coffee on yourself. Something happens on your way to work. Like you have a fender bender. Those are the things that make up a bad day for most of us as human beings. God doesn't have those days because he knows everything that's going on. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He didn't have an accident today that made him just spiral out of control. He's not looking down on humanity, wringing his hands because 2020 didn't go the way that he thought. So because of that, we should have hope because of who God is. Meaning that if we are experiencing something, it's not because God decided to wake up and be evil. It's not because God decided to wake up and be wicked. It is because God is still good, so that should give us hope. So we have hope because of who God is. But then th secondly, God gives hope because of what he has done. I want you to look at this verse. He says, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He says, I am going to thank God and have hope in God because I believe that his presence is still working in my life. The little cliche phrase that God is with you is actually so much more powerful than what we give it credit for. Because God is still with us, we should have hope that his countenance and his presence is going to continue working in our lives. Doesn't mean that it's going to resolve every issue. Doesn't mean that every problem that we have is just going to be banished for all of time and we get to live this happy, jolly, joyful, skip through the flower life, okay? That's not what God is saying. God says, my presence, my countenance is what's going to help you. It's what's going to sustain you and you can have hope because I am with you. So God gives hope because of who he is, because of what he's done, and that he is still working, he still has a plan. And then lastly, and we'll close with this, and I want to spend the rest of our time here, is that God gives hope 
because of when he comes. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter number 2, verse 13. Titus chapter number 2, verse 13. I'm not sure how many of you have a habit of marking in your Bibles, but if I can encourage you to mark a verse, it would be this. And I'll explain why in just a second. Titus 2, verse 13, as you turn there, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading for sake of time. He says this, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it again just so you can maybe see it with your own eyes and hear it. It says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I am a pretty uh, reflective and introspective person um, at the end of the year. Um, I clean out stuff. I try to throw away stuff. I try to, um, I like reorganize my files on my computer. Uh, like there's just random stuff that goes through my brain. Like, you know what? This didn't work that great this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I have a little template on my computer of um, seven different columns and I'll print it off and I try to write goals out for every, and every column is kind of the roles that I fulfill. And so the, my goals for being a Christian, my goals for being a better dad, my goals for being a better husband, my goals for being a better teacher, I, I write all of those things out and, and I kind of look back over the year and try to think like, what didn't go good? What would I do better next year? And I will tell you that one of the things that I feel like that 2020 taught me, and if, you, if I can just put it very simply to you, is that I don't ever want to become content with this world. So much of our Christian life biblically, okay? Now, I'm not talking about in 2020, but biblically is building our lives for the next life. And not this life. And if there's something that I feel like our generation struggles with, with is that we've been brought up in really this kind of strange paradox to where you can have your Christian life and the American dream. And by the way, I, I'm for everybody who makes money. I'm not saying go quit your job. I'm not saying don't get an education. I'm not saying any of those things because you kind of need them to survive in society. But we've kind of convinced ourselves to where, well, the Christian life of really 2020 Americans is really not that sacrificial, is it? it? It really is not that hard. Like if we think waking up and reading our Bible and maybe giving 10% to the church and, and having to serve in the nursery, if we think that that's like New Testament Christianity that Paul was talking about, like be steadfast, like... Work that nursery, okay? Like, if we think that that's the Christianity he was referring to, we're probably a little misconceived, okay? When Paul writes stuff like the, actually the verse, I'm going to go ahead and say it. The verse that we're going to have as our theme for next year is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't know that, that, that 2020 Christians really grasp that. Our Christianity isn't putting, at least not yet, is not really putting a, a target on our back. It's not a death threat for us. We're not having to sneak to church in silence and, 
and mouth the words to the songs that we're singing for fear of someone storming in and, and, and taking over the church. We're not there yet. And yet if we struggle with American Christianity, what makes us think that we're going to be able to withstand biblical Christianity? Sacrificial Christianity? What makes us think that we're ready for 2021 where churches could possibly be closed? What makes us think that we're ready to start sharing the gospel when things aren't convenient? What makes us think that we're ready to continue giving when there's not a tax credit? Oh, donate to a nonprofit. We'll send you a little letter and you get to claim it on your taxes. What happens when that's not the country we live in? Our theme for next year is unmovable. And I've already shared this with Matt and kind of where we're going. But here's what I want to do. When we say, when we went through the series, Is It Well With Your Soul?, my goal was this, to get you to figure out that Christianity is not about tucking a Bible underneath your arm and having your hair cut and showing up and singing songs and, and being a little Christian robot. No, Christianity is something that changes you from the outside in, or inside out. I went the wrong way, sorry. It starts here. It starts with your soul being saved from hell. And from a God who is good and who is kind and who sent his son down across from you. That starts here. That should build something up in you to know where the outside stuff is easy. Because look what God's done for you internally. God's given you hope that no one else has. God's given you joy that cannot be explained according to scripture. God's given you all of these things internally. If you'll live the Christian life, if you'll walk with him, if you'll enjoy that relationship that he has. If you'll look forward to heaven, if you will get a glimpse of how how much this Christian life can do for you. That starts in here, and now all of a sudden the outside stuff is not that hard. But yet we're the Christian, we're the group of Christians that anything that God requires of us is legalistic. I would love to hear Paul's thought and some of the some of the churches that he wrote letters to. I would love to hear their thoughts on legalism. Oh, you mean I can't sleep around? Oh my goodness, so legalistic. You mean I shouldn't watch the same television shows as everyone else watches? Oh my goodness, that is so legalistic. And sometimes I think that God sits up in heaven and almost is like, are you serious? So you're telling me that if you went into a doctor and they saved your life on the operating table and they pumped life back into you with, the, with whatever those little things are, all right, clear, all right? And you're telling me that if you walked out of that hospital and the doctor said, hey, you probably need to watch some of your eating habits. You are so legalistic. Maybe you need to eat Cheerios because they have high cholesterol and have that little heart sticker on them, all right? They're super healthy. At least that's what the commercials say. You need to live differently as a result of being saved from death. And you would look at that doctor and say, sorry, not going to happen. There's no way. Yet we would do that with the God of the universe who saved our soul from hell and gave us eternity in heaven. And act like that he's not a good God because he just simply wants to enjoy a relationship with us that is free from sin. That's not legalistic. That's love. 
that that is grace that that is enjoying the relationship with you have with your heavenly father and so when we talk about this idea of being unmovable and being a, having a truth that is withstands tough times and having a soul that it is well with our soul here's what we have to come to there are things in this life that we were never intended to become content Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope. What happens when the Christian life isn't easy? What happens when all of a sudden things down here don't work out the way you thought they would? Is there still hope? Yeah. You see, the Christian life covers hope, not just down here but it gives us hope for what's to come. And I'm sorry, but if you have found something that matches that and guarantees that much hope, chase it. There's nothing down here that can give you hope for hard times and hope for your struggles and hope for difficult things and hope when things don't go as planned. There's nothing in this life that can provide that. Oh, and by the way, there's nothing that can give you hope for the afterlife like Christianity. And when we talk about being unmovable, when we talk about having making it through tough times, when we talk about it being well with our soul, eventually here's what we're going to have to get to as the generation of Christians, and I'll close with this. Eventually we're going to have to get to that God is not just here to solve my problems right now. There's something bigger I'm supposed to be looking for. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is going to be our theme for next year. Unmovable is the theme. I won't get, tell you what the calendar pictures are because I'll let that be Matt's surprise, okay? Unmovable. We quote 1 Corinthians 15, 58 because it's supposed to be like this this spiritual pat on the back like ah get going go go after it buddy like you got it yeah, yeah and so we're like supposed to drag ourselves through life like these christian shoulder soldiers that's just been maimed and beaten but like be steadfast unmovable that's not the context of first corinthians 15 first corinthians 15 if you go back and you read the whole chapter it's talking about what is to come it's talking about heaven. It's talking about eternity. It's talking about the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's talking about victory through sin. And then verse 58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Meaning this, your hope, your stability, your steadfastness, is not found in your own power to will yourself up and stand up and well, I'm just going to punch the world in the face and I'm just going to take it on with everybody else. No, all of that does not come from you, but comes from God. Comes from the belief that maybe there's something bigger in this life. I'm just going to shoot you straight. My goal for 2021 is to get you to think about heaven so much more than you think about this world. Let's be honest, as, as millennials, we probably very rarely think about heaven, don't we? What do we do? We wake up and we think about 
the jobs that we have to do. We think about the social media that we need to check. We think about who we need to text. We think about the five text messages that we need to respond to. We think about this. We think about emails. We think about what show are we going to watch tonight when we choose to chill out. And if you're not careful, you can live 24 hours and never once think about eternity. But you're saved. And, and I'm, just so you know that I'm not throwing out accusations, I'm there too. But 2020 has taught me this world stinks. This world was not meant for us. Or we could say it like this, we're not meant for this world. C.S. Lewis said, if you ever find yourself growing discontent with the world around you, or if you ever find yourself thinking that you were not meant for this life, it could very well mean that you were not meant for this life, but another life. We're not meant to be consumed with this world. We're meant to be consumed with God and eternity. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.